You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I am Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins here hanging out with me. Big week of football. I want to know, Brandon. Yo. Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma quarterback. Yes. Dropped a game to the University of Texas this weekend. Used to be called the Red River Shootout. Now in the interest of sensitivity and political correctness, the Red River Showdown. I still am not accustomed to that. So lame. It is pretty lame. But down 21 with eight minutes left, Kyler Murray brings that squad back and ties the ballgame. Mm-hmm. Texas ultimately goes down, walks through that defense optional Pac-12 powerhouse, Oklahoma, takes him down, and as Gus Johnson has immortalized the kid, Dicker the kicker comes through <laughs> you and keep wins that, it for the University of Texas. You want to keep that, get rid of the shootout, but keep Dicker, Dicker the, the kicker. kicker. Okay. Yeah. Whatever flows your boat. My thing is, is anybody that watched this ball game has to walk away and say, Kyler Murray, bar none, is the best player in college football. There is no doubt in my mind. As the end of this ball game unfolded, though, I learned something about young Kyler that I didn't know before. What's that? I've been hearing about Kyler Murray for years. Primarily because he was a top baseball talent. So I knew that the Oakland A's had taken him at the top of this past amateur draft and that he's a high-profile prospect. This is probably going to be the only year that he plays at Oklahoma. What I didn't know, this guy playing Texas high school football won four consecutive state championships as the quarterback. And never lost a game. Never lost. So through the first five weeks of the season, this kid's lifetime record from the time he was a freshman in high school through to Saturday, 48-0. Is there anything in life that you do that well? Because I can't think of a thing that I'm that good at or could ever be that good at. Nah. 48 no over the course of four and a half years. Nope. This no. kid is something else. And yes, they lost to Texas, but it certainly didn't have anything to do with the quality of Kyler Murray's play, including a fourth quarter touchdown scamper on first down for 67 yards where he just went video game and ran past everybody. When I watch a performance like that and I look at the numbers and I see what this guy has done putting this team on his back, The first thing it makes me question is, how good is Baker Mayfield really? 
Because I see Kyler Murray do this as a freshman, fresh out of high school, and I saw Baker Mayfield do it with half a dozen years under his belt as a college player. Well, I mean, go ahead. Do you have one the more sec- Yeah, the, the bigger piece of that is how can we seriously be talking about Tua as the Heisman Trophy odds-on favorite at this point? You're talking about Tua, a guy that doesn't even play half the game. And if you subtract Tua from his team, they're still the best team in the country. Jalen Hurts, with that team, has already shown he can take him to a national championship. Mm-hmm. Where are you at with Tua for well, the Heisman Trophy? Let's stay on Oklahoma okay, go for ahead. just one second. Sure. So I think it's neither an indictment on Baker May- Mayfield or Kyler Murray because they played within the same offense, which also doesn't play any defense. The, the whole Big conference, 12, yeah, the whole conference, TCU, the whole conference for the most part does not play any defense. Which I'm gonna tie it back here locally. Guess who just got promoted after Mike Stoops got fired as the defensive coordinator? Who that? How about some Ruffin McNeil out of East Carolina? Scotty Montgomery is like laying eggs in Greenville, North Carolina. And Ruffin McNeil is just sitting back, sipping his tea like Kermit the Frog. How good of a move is that? You're like head coach of East Carolina. You get defensive coordinator for Oklahoma in a league that doesn't play defense. Mike Stoops Stoops is a throwback. And he's not a throwback to hard-nosed football. He's not a throwback to a genius game planner. He's a throwback to when nepotism used to be the rule That's right. in college football. That's right. Mike Stoops got the gig at Arizona and did nothing out there and came back to Oklahoma for, to work for his big brother, Bob. Mike Stoops never should have been that guy. But I don't – this is the other thing with that. Before we get on to how inspired a, a hiring Ruffin McNeil is – when have you ever seen a team that was atop the national landscape like this? Takes an L, but is still a top team ten a top ten team in the country. Right. When have they ever fired a coordinator midseason without it being a DUI or something of that nature? When I heard that Mike Stoops had been fired, I was baffled. Only because of the timing, I think Mike Stoops never should have had the job. I'm not a big fan of the whole Stoops family, to be honest. Right. But can you ever remember a, a college coordinator being fired in the midst of the type season that Oklahoma's had? Not in what's this week six, six, seven. I think they're a week. I think when you actually talk about weeks, they're one week ahead of this uh, college. The NFL season seems to be blowing. It started by. in May, I think. So, <laughs> so no, I don't remember a last name like Stoops being fired this early. I mean, Oklahoma hadn't played defense in what like ten oh, years. Oh God. Yeah, it's so been ages. For you know, for that call to be made and him be fired with that name recognition, whether he was good or not, that's very uncommon. Don't you think there's part of Lincoln Riley being the young guy who probably wasn't real keen on a stoops being in the building yeah. in the first place? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Lincoln Riley is not short on ego. And I'm sure that there's part of him just didn't even want to hear it because it's one last reminder that Bob Stoops was there and had all that success. 
Yeah. So I, I think this might have been him waiting on an opportunity. Um, who knows? Who knows? But Ruffin McNeil, when you can take out your coordinator and bring in as a, a guy that is as big a personality and as as accomplished a defensive coach as Ruffin McNeil, win. That's a win. And on top of that, you have the East, the current East Carolina coach, oh, getting thumped by Temple, dude. Ruffin Scotty McNeil. Montgomery is so fired; it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. We we've talked about this a couple of times that I think Scotty Montgomery, the the win versus North Carolina, solidified his position through the end of the year. Had he lost that game against North Carolina, he was going to be gone after after week four. I, I am certain that was the plan. At least Fedora is doing something good. Well, Fedora's anyway, got a big, I'm not, a big, 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 big game coming up this weekend. I don't, I don't want to switch gears. I'm not trying to do, you know, move this to Carolina talk. Oh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Fedora very soon. Scotty Montgomery sounds like some country kid that got kicked off of The Voice. Like Scotty Montgomery. <laughs> and he's about to get kicked out of Greenville. And it's funny. I was picking with some friends. As the season goes on, you know, NC State's five and zero now, right? Yes, they are. And they go into Death Valley, and should have won two years ago. Some someone couldn't hit a chip, chippy. Yep. And NC State's not afraid of going into Death Valley. They've proven that in the past. Do you think they? And just spend a second on it. Do you like the fact that they've added potentially East Carolina at the end? of So this weekend is the East Carolina State Bowl in Death Valley. So if they lose, it's almost impossible for them to catch Clemson and be in the title game, right? Yes. So if they lose and they can't catch Clemson, it's on with the ECU. But as they lose, is NC State scratching their heads going, why did we add this little cupcake Towards the end of the season, I mean, what's that going to do for us? They would almost rather like reschedule. What are, who are they playing? West Virginia. Here's, I, I would say this: that North Carolina State, and this is getting the cart before the horse. Yeah, way, 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 way. If North Carolina State finds a way to beat Clemson, then nothing else on their schedule matters that point forward. If they run the table, they're a top four team. They're in the playoff. In that case, have an ECU on the on the schedule with the quality of that program or lack thereof is a good thing. Now, if NC State comes out of this and they lose to Clemson and they drop another game and all of a sudden they're trying to find quality wins to get a good bowl berth or get some recognition nationally, that's a different animal. Good point. So, you know, the, the gold standard in this day and age, run the table, be undefeated. Now, if they beat we're, Clemson, we're, we're, like you again, said, we're way, way, yeah, way ahead yeah, of ourselves yeah, yeah. with that. And I, I like NC State with a puncher's chance. I think NC State quietly, I think Ryan Finley is one of the better quarterbacks in college football. I think definitely top 10, perhaps even top five, and he's under everybody's radar. The problem I have is outside of Finley, this NC State team is not as good as the NC State teams from the last couple of years. They just don't have the horses. They don't have a game-breaker on defense. There's not near as much speed and short-area quickness on the offensive side of the ball as there has been. But 
NC State in years gone by has had a tendency to have all that talent and drop a game that they weren't supposed to drop. Always. You know, if they lose to Clemson and then run the table the rest of the way, it's been a great, great season for NC State. Even if they walk out of this season with two losses, they've had a great year. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's all on the table. The cool thing for NC State this year, and I hope that they embrace this, they're playing with house money. And this Clemson team, I know that they came back and they dropped 63 this weekend or whatever. This Clemson team is not as good as the Clemson teams from the last few years. I don't care what anybody says. I get that Etienne is lighting it up and going for 5,000 yards a weekend right now. When I look at it, all of the offseason talk about Clemson was this defensive line has four legit top 10, top 15 NFL prospects on it. That Clemson defensive line is like Alabama's line every year. But here's why is that here's why that is bad news for NC State fans. Because if Doran beats Clemson in Death Valley and wins nine or ten games this year, regardless of like going into the he'll playoff. He'll end up with a thirty yard a thirty year extension. No. He'll be on on his way you think somewhere so? else. Yes. I you know he, he will not wait. What if you leave if you miss out on Himes and Chubb, and they're gone. And, and Samuel, don't forget that, too. Samuel, and they're gone, and you turn around and beat Clemson in Death Valley and get close to the conversation of being in the playoff and even win nine, ten games, when are you ever going to leave NC State further down the road? And that's the problem that Carolina has in some ways. Like, Larry Fedora, like in, you know, 2015, we were, like, scared to death we're going to lose him. Now. Now we're like. <laughs> when did Justice Sooney took off? That the other be thing nice? with Fedora, too, to keep in mind, too, is you've had all that talent seepage. The other thing is how many opportunities do you get with a fifth-year quarterback? Right. Because the play, the quality of play that he's getting from Finley now, there's nobody behind Finley that next year is going to pick that up and not have a significant drop-off. Dorn knows that better than anybody. So you're right. If he messes around and wins nine, ten ball games this year, he may be. This maybe this is the time that he parlays it into a bigger gig. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American Patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Talking North Carolina football. We don't do enough Carolina-specific things. Oh, watch out now. Very often. You're talking about NC State football. Yeah, well, we, we, we threw some – well, I'm talking about North Carolina as a state. I know, but you just – You're right. You're right. I don't, want to, I don't want to offend. You just butthurt a bunch offend. of NC State fans. I, I definitely, definitely don't want to offend. So, this to, weekend to, – Hold on. To cap off the Doran comment from last segment – you know, remember the job he turned down last year, Tennessee. Yep, that's 
You're turning down Tennessee, right? I mean, I, who knows if Tennessee's ever going to be good again? But if you turn down Tennessee and you put together another record with all your best players that you've ever had during your tenure, if he puts together a real season, who's going to come out? If the, I'm if I'm a big time program and I even remotely like Doran, he's on my list. If he's turned down Tennessee last year and has some, you know this kind of success this year, gotcha. Because there's been a lot of years in NC State's past that, you know, six wins during the course of a season was like the norm. Well, and I'll, I'll I'll give cash, caution one more time to NC State fans: if you like Doran, don't act like you're you know Alabama. <laughs> you know, don't be picky like as if you're an SEC powerhouse. You need to take care of who you got. So. That's all I'm going to throw You know, out North Carolina State, as it applies to football and basketball coaches, it's this sliding scale where sometimes they're just the most miserable of fan bases and they're like, ugh, you know, we're just NC State. And then there's other times where they expect to be a national powerhouse. Right. And NC State, when you look at it from a historical standpoint, I mean, real history, it's one of the most accomplished programs in college basketball, period. Yeah. There's like only – I'm guessing right now, there's only like eight or nine teams that's won two national yeah, championships, they're, they're, and they're one of them. They're they're royalty. They may be like a baron or a duke and not the school duke instead of like a prince right. or something. But they are basketball royalty. From a football standpoint, we you and I have talked about this a million times. They're a sleeping giant. Oh, yeah. But they've never been able to crack the code. Chuck Amato was sort of the closest thing they had to that. Dorn, I'm not really sold on Dorn, really, truly. I'm just not. But I'm aware enough that I look across the landscape and I'm like, who are you going to bring in? And then again, be careful who you do bring in. Mm -hmm. Because right now, you've got two schools. When you look at the the hires that were made during this offseason, there were some schools thought they had hit it out of the park. Now, Willie Taggart down at Florida State, big win for him. Big win. After as bad a start to the season as there could possibly have been. But then, look out west. How's Chip Kelly doing out there at UCLA? Oh, you want to talk about it? Yeah, why not? Why not? You can tell how much I'm like really caring about what he's doing Dude, out there in the UCLA. Pac-12. UCLA is winless to start the season, 0 and 4. It's the first time since the 40s. And then you take and look at the other high profile hire this offseason, which was Scott Frost going from the defending national championship UCF program. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. There's a billboard. Nebraska, winless. Yep. First time since the 40s. These two guys are supposed to be can't-miss program saviors coming in. It's not just as easily as moving across the board and being a messiah. You got to sometimes, first of all, these coaches need to have a little bit more respect for what they've got going on. But these other programs need to recognize it's more than just getting a name through the door. ECU, prime example. How badly would ECU like to have taken the last couple of years and plugged Ruffin McNeil back in there where they knew they were going to win seven, eight ball games? Yeah. 
and be competitive and be fun and a program that people could rally around. Well, and, you know, people can't even give you that ticket. I've had people ask, will you please take this home game for East Carolina? And, like, this year I'm like, nah, I'm not going to make that trip. That's funny. I'm I'm not going to make that trip for that game now if it's in the triangle, which, you know, that's a whole different story. East Carolina is so far to the east in the state. It's it's just tough to get to. Just barely in the state. (laughs) And you can't – it's not like going to Charlotte where you can tap into that, you know, South Carolina crowd. You know, there's really nobody traveling down from Virginia for the most part. You know, to check out the you know the pirates. No, 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 no. And I, I started to make a statement, and I didn't finish my thought. I want to make sure nobody's confused. Willie Taggart, we I said at the time he was hired at Florida State, perfect hire. He's the guy. But Miami gets the better of him again. So even though Florida State is is showing progress to getting back to some sort of responsibility or, or respectability, Florida State's three and three. With a couple of bad L's in there, mm-hmm. you got to be really careful. Sometimes you got to hold what you got. Now, Florida State, I don't even know if they had a legit shot to try to hold on to Jimbo Fisher. But Jimbo Fisher, I think you and I agreed, and most people out there agreed, him going to Texas A&M, he better enjoy the money. Because yeah. as long as you're in the same conference with Texas a or with Texas A&M, with Alabama, you're going to be playing for second. Well, I don't think any coach could come in with Florida State and play with those players. That's right now. Like Jimbo was like Jimbo m- saw the writing on the wall. Mich- abort mission, abort mission. Like he was like, "All right, let me go ahead and get this Skrilla." Yeah, let me get on out of here cuz I know what's coming down the pipeline. They just don't have the horses they once did. DeAndre Francois, have you ever seen a quarterback regress the way that he has? No. No, it's amazing see. to watch it unfold. Well, and, it, you know, they passed the the airport test, right? Their team is, like, big. You know, I'll never forget, like, I watched – I can't remember. Back 2010, I saw uh, Washington in the airport, and they were a good team that year. But they looked like the biggest team I've ever seen. <laughs> and they got mollywhopped by somebody in there, and I was like, well – you can't trust the airport or the hotel lobby test when you're looking at these teams. And that's exactly what Florida State is. They pass the eye test in terms of walking out into the field, how big they are, you know, warming up and stuff like that. But when they get out there, they're just they don't have the talent. Gotcha. And and just so we can spread it around a little bit, we do have to acknowledge Duke is four and one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got our East Carolina in there. We got UNC and NC State. Just wanted to give a shout out. To but the problem Coach with that, Cutcliffe doing their thing, doing his their thing. only loss is in the ACC. So, oh, they're not they're not competing for any championships. I mean, they lost to who? They Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia them. Tech got into them pretty good. That was a that, uh, undercover. That was a pretty big game. And then Virginia Tech goes out and gets beat up by Notre Dame. I want to say a couple things about Notre Dame. First of all, I apologize. Not necessarily for anything I've said, but how I feel. Because I always, always, always feel like Notre Dame is overrated. And when Notre Dame beat Michigan, I came on the air and I said, they're not going anywhere because Brandon Wimbush is so limited at quarterback. And I believed that then, and I believe it now. The problem is, what I didn't know is that Brian Kelly had an ace in the hole, and he's trotted this kid Ian Book out there. Notre Dame's for real. 
And Notre Dame's got a ridiculous schedule the rest of the way. Yeah. Even with closing at USC, unless they stub their toe and drop a game, they're just not supposed to lose. Or it's, I, I don't know how Notre Dame's not in the playoff at this point. No, they're in the top five now, right? So yeah, like, and I don't see any. I don't see it. I don't see much likelihood at all that they come out of the top five the rest of the way. I think they're just in there. Yeah, I mean, they're just in there. I mean, I, I, the only thing that could happen to them is at the very end, the shenanigans that happens. You know, when Alabama gets into it last year over teams. <laughs> Well, like, no, see, know, see my, Notre Dame. Notre Dame could fall out due to the lack of their strength of schedule, you know, scheduling. And Man, Notre Dame has still just got too much juice when it comes to their brand. If Notre Dame has, is close, Notre Dame's getting in. And I just don't see and, – and they obviously could – they could fall apart. They could drop a game that nobody sees coming, but they've gotten through the meat of that schedule, and unless somebody steps up and plays out of their skin, here, here's the rest of the way. They come in, they're 6-0. and They've got good wins. They've got a good win against Michigan. Michigan's done them favors because Michigan is, is playing ball. And they were 14 at the time in the country. Yep. They got Stanford. I think Stanford's overrated, but that doesn't mean anything. They're the they were, number seven t- team yep, in the country. 17. And Virginia Tech, that was a good win against Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech, I get it, lost to ODU, but don't forget it's Virginia Tech. And they're going to blitz you. They're going to run throw players at you left, right, and center. But here's the deal. The rest of the way, Pitt, Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, USC. Now, the first three of those games, Pitt, Navy, Northwestern, there is 0.0% chance they're going to drop one of those games. Don't sleep on Northwestern. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right. Um, I just don't see it. Florida State, I suppose they could get the ship righted. They're going to be playing with house money. Maybe. We'll take a look at the rest of that. Then we'll move on to some NFL here in just a little bit. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. 
So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything, yeah. Thank you, Chicken Foot. Sammy Hagar, man. Have I ever told you that's my favorite person in the world? Besides you and my wife. I like Sammy Hagar more than I like my kids. I think there was a certain person that you um that used to play for the Foo Fighters that you liked even better than him. You Dave started Grohl? Yeah, David Grohl. You started uh, David Grohl for uh president. Yeah, but that's only because Sammy Hagar's got too many cool things going on to run for president. Dave Grohl, you know, pretty much plays music and sits around the house and bums around. Sammy Hagar, like, goes and starts tequila companies and sells them for half a billion dollars. Okay. You know, he's out of control. So before the break, we were talking about Notre Dame. Looking forward, Pitt, Navy, Northwestern. I think there's no chance they drop any of those. You're right. The Northwestern game is on the road. I Northwestern just didn't have the horses. Well, um, the only thing I'll say about Northwestern is they beat Michigan State, who everybody has beat Michigan State, but they that's a top 20. If we're going to count some of the old wins for Notre Dame, that's a top 20 win. They barely lost to Michigan State by a field goal. I mean, Michigan, the very next game. Then they took an L, which is bad, which is against Akron. But um, <laughs> then, you know, Duke, which is like at the time was a really good Duke, Duke win, beat them by two touchdowns. And then Purdue is Purdue any good? You're like a no, Big Ten kind of guy. Not. I tell you, I tell you, who's sleepy good in the in the uh, Big Ten that nobody thinks about. Indiana's been pretty good for the last couple of years. Nice. Indiana's a program that's on the come. They're sort of right now. I see them as what Michigan State was ten years ago. Michigan State, Mike D'Antoni, he, he, that team's in trouble. They've been bad for a couple years, and they're not beating teams they're supposed to beat anymore. They had kind of gotten themselves up as the you know in that second tier in the Big Ten. You got Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and then Michigan State and Penn State were sort of a, a step behind. I think at this point you've got Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan are probably that next tier, and Michigan State has fallen down below that. Um, the good news for them is that Nebraska is horrible, and Nebraska is sort of the natural fit in the rest of that. But uh, Michigan State just hasn't been that good for a while. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Without getting you too far off the topic, are there any really good conferences this year? No. There, there's a the, – This was a horrible week for the SEC. ACC has sucked. Yes. 
And that's been, let's be honest, last two years, those have been the two best conferences in football. The ACC and the SEC? Yes. I'll give you that, yes. And the Big Ten always has a way to disappoint, or has for the last, what, five years, maybe? Yeah. Except for the um, for the Ohio State championship. But well, it seems and, like and all let's the, think about the seems, Big 12, too. Because the Big 12 there for a minute had Oklahoma doing their thing. But Oklahoma State, Baylor... Those were quality, quality teams. Even Texas Tech was doing it. Sort of, it was sort of the post-Texas Big Twelve. And now, for the last couple of years, it basically been Oklahoma and nobody. That loss for Oklahoma, I think that's the only Big Twelve team that I believe has enough horses to make any noise nationally this year. It's a bad loss for their conference. The SEC had a horrible weekend. Losses by LSU and Auburn. They didn't need that. What this is shaping up to be is Alabama and a bunch of also-rans. I am not a believer this year in Georgia. I haven't seen Georgia impress me the way they did last year. That's understandable when you take Chubb and Michelle out of that backfield. Jake Fromm showed last year, he he was sort of laying the groundwork to be the next great college quarterback. Mm -hmm. Eh, He's all right. I mean, I look all over the country, and when I'm watching Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray and Tua, Jake Fromm's not even in that conversation. So the Big 12's got some issues. Real quick, so we can wrap this up. After Northwestern, Notre Dame's got Florida State at home, Syracuse at home, and they finish on the road at USC. Anything can happen on a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Anything in the world. So we can't give them those wins. They have to show up and they have to play those games. But on paper, those are all potential blowouts. Yeah. And God blessed blessed you when you got Syracuse at home instead of in the carrier dome. Because that's a miserable, miserable place to play for anybody. It's just... Either basketball or football. It's just horrible. How? Answer me this. How is it that a dome that is named Carrier has no air conditioner? I don't know, man. I mean, Syracuse has got some high-profile alums. They're a major program when you look at basketball and football. Donovan McNabb. How is it possible that Donovan McNabb or somebody – you, you know, the, the richest guys that come through your program are always guys you don't know their names. Somebody's got to have enough checkbook to go get a quote. Well, and, go ahead and have an air conditioner. And so. to end that, that joke that you just made has been made by so many people that the Carrier family, if they have any control over that dome, needs to put some AC in there, right? right? You know what I mean? Like, that's the big – I heard uh, – what's the uh, old ECU coach – that gets on the radio every once in a while. He used to have to go into Syracuse and play. He Steve he, Logan. Steve Logan. He said the same thing last weekend. He's like, you know, that's named by the Carrier family. You know, they don't have AC. <laughs> Come on, get some air conditioning. It and is about it. to be 2019. Right. We're talking about putting people on Mars. Get some AC. Put some Freon in that piece. Something, man. I, I just don't get. And I get that it's upstate New York, so most of the time it doesn't get hot enough. Whatever. But come on, man. Especially when you're playing football in August and September, it, it's amazing that in one of the coldest spots 
in the continental United States, you can watch a football game in September and the players are dying. It's so hot in there. And people in the stands fanning themselves and all the rest. Yep. Come on. Talk. Hey, and Jim Beham, if you're listening, Greensboro's got AC. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, so anything else jump out you jump out at you uh this weekend college, college football wise? I, you know, I, I like to casually watch, you know, I put, I pay attention to ACC. I like to casually watch through the first half of the season. This is about the time when I really start to engage in college football cuz you got so many things going on, you know. Yeah, you got baseball. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, baseball is, in my opinion, the big loser this time of year because we're at, uh, what, October the the 8th, I think, ninth. I don't know. Dude, why are they playing baseball in the middle of the day? This is supposed to be baseball that matters, and I'm driving home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it's the middle of the Indians-Astros game. What are you doing? They're doing something stupid because last Friday there was no other sport on, and they tried to make it baseball day. And they, like you said, started. You know, you know. I I heard all these guys saying, "We're going to have baseball on. It's going to be awesome from two till two at night. You know, two in a.m. And like, we're just going to corner the market. And how many people actually watch on two Friday, o'clock in the you, afternoon? Two o'clock I, in the afternoon to two in the morning on the following day. I don't even. I, I'm not going to lie. I can't even keep up. Baseball, I know that the horse is out of the yard. Is that how you say it? The horse is out of the stable, whatever. It's out of the pen. You can't retract. Nobody ever retracts. We just expand and expand and expand and expand. Have Keep your stupid wild card. Have that shit back. Take it back. We don't want it. Yeah. And retract the playoffs, man. Give us games that matter. And then, even if they don't matter, play them at a time where somebody can see them. This is silly. And it just extends the season, and you're getting farther and farther and farther into football. And people care less and less and less about you. That's all I have. And that's all I'm willing to say about baseball. I mean, I will revisit baseball when the World Series starts. Until then, it's a straight moratorium. I just think... The Yankees not having the greatest season, and now it's playoff baseball. If they turn it on, that's an interesting story. Maybe the Dodgers. But outside of that, do you really care that this is going to be old news by the time this – did you TiVo any games? No. Do you really care that Astros are beating the Indians 11-2 to right now? No. I And, you know, it's kind of wild because the, uh, the Indians were up 2-1. to one. And the Astros just kind of blew the doors off of that thing. The Astros are on a collision course. The national media desperately wants the Yankees to come through. The chic thing to say is that the Yankees are the better team than the Red Sox, even though the Red Sox won 108 games. I, I couldn't care less. I really, really couldn't care less. Baseball has become the ultimate have and have not sport. Mm-hmm. And you've got, going into any particular season, five or six teams that are legitimate World Series contenders. Now, yes, teams come from out of nowhere. But you have teams, the only pathway to success for these small market teams, your Atlantas, your Milwaukee's, your Houston's, is to tank. And not just tank for a season 
and to get the number one pick and bring in, you know, DeAndre Ayton or whoever that one guy is going to be. It's to tank for three or four or five years. And you saw the Astros got rewarded for it last year. This year, Atlanta's back in the mix. You know, Atlanta was tanking for years. Now they've got a couple of guys that have, you know, that they were able to pluck at the top of those drafts. They've rebuilt after having subjected their fans to garbage baseball for years, and now they're back. And I'm happy for Atlanta fans. But big, when you that is your system, and there is no other way to do it for these smaller market clubs, you have a broken product. You know what else is wrong with baseball, bro? What's that? Is that they everything around baseball is still old school. They're having a hard time. I think they um, – <clears throat> Clumsily tried to introduce the Migos into some of their like playoff, you know, marketing and stuff, like just to bring in a younger crowd. But you know, here here's a perfect example. George Springer shot gives Astros twelve playoff games in a row. You know what they're calling that? They're calling it the the Springer's Dingers. Yeah, see, like old yeah, school Springer's Dingers. Like they, <laughs> everything is so old around this sport. Yeah, like I mean. <laughs> Just, just and you're missing the point. If you're just trying to play over your marketing with some Migos, just throwing Migos in there, that's not doing it. You got a bigger problem to attract a younger crowd. Well, the baseball writers that are first that are front and center when you turn on the television, it's the same baseball talking heads and writers that were doing it when I was in high school 30 years ago. Yeah. Tim Kirkchin, these guys, come on, dude. Nobody that is young and viable cares about baseball anymore, and it breaks my heart. But the thing is, is even a guy like me, who baseball is part of my core, part of my soul, but when we're into a day and age where I'm watching my Reds in the second half of the season, and every time they win, I feel a certain kind of way about it, you've broken your product. Where I'm not excited because they're winning, I'd really just assume they lose every game they're playing and that's kind of in the back of my mind what i'm rooting for i hope you guys look good hope you guys get those individual stats juiced up but in the end i hope you blow the game and lose so that we draft higher in the amateur draft which is the complete total crap shoot of all and of all drafts in all sports but that's what we're that's what we've got you, you need to dig down to how hard it is to do certain things how hard it is to pitch this fast how hard it is to hit it out of a certain park hockey has is constantly doing that like if you get down close to ice we just beat the rangers last yesterday brother eight five by the way canes are back but they have figured out how to show you even through tv at times about how cool that is i'm not sure that i'm digging your analogy because NHL ratings ain't breaking any records right now. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. We'll see you on the other side. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? 
Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Just before the break, Brandon was schooling me on how the NHL's got the pulse of the public and i did kind of look at him cross-eyed not exactly what everybody I loves playoff hockey regular season hockey is much better taken in at a game than it is on tv and it's another example of how a regular season just goes on too long but the same can be said for the nba for major league baseball for anything other than football the regular season goes on too long. Mm, Just how it is. I like 80 games. Pretty good for hockey. What I will say is baseball, if you're listening, if your go-to fun thing for, for the kids and the fans are a bunch of hot dogs racing around the bases, you might want to look into that. Um, or just a bunch of big figures or mascots running well, around the bases. Yeah, don't I forget mean, the Nationals. They do the President's Race where they have the big mascots dressed up like I and it the only time it's cool is one of them wipes out like that's the only time it ever makes espn is one of them goes face first and the you know the hat the head or whatever the costume comes popping off (laughs) you know and the calls could be better you know remember the um a bomb from a rod that could be a lot lot better Chris, couldn't we do a lot better? Now, dude, let Gus Johnson call the game of the week. Of course, then he'd be like, Dicker the kicker. I, I still can't believe he said that. And that that's a thing because it's not that clever and it's a little disturbing. Dicker well, the kicker. Well, we've talked about this. We need to have soccer commentators call all plays from here on out. That'd be dope. Did you hear that Graham Gano call from um, the Panthers? That wasn't bad. Wasn't half bad. That gets me hyped up. I'm just I'm throwing some things out there, you know, like Dicker the kicker, and you know I think the my favorite call in baseball is probably like um, back 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 back. That's probably one of my favorite ones. Hey, back 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 back. Yeah, dude, you talking about being old? Come on, man. That's 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 vintage. But sometimes things are good. Like, but you know, baseball used hey, to be good. They started screwing with baseball. And first of all, put it all over the dial all the time and have forced national games down people's throats. The problem with that is, is team, you know, people are only going to jump on with one team. That's how sports works. There are not a whole lot of folks out there that spend money on the NFL and build their week around the NFL because they're like, I can't wait to see whatever ESPN feeds me on Monday night. 
When I'm looking at the doggone calendar, I'm trying to figure out when are the Bengals playing. You're like, when are the where are the Panthers at? Where are they on my dial? Baseball hadn't figured it out. I don't give a rip about watching the Dodgers play the Cardinals in the middle of the season in baseball. I don't care. And I'm not going to pay a bazillion dollars to pay to watch the Reds and have to have everything else included. Give me the games I want and nothing else. You'll build a regional fan base. Kids are looking at it and they're like, well, what baseball game's on? If it's their team, they're going to sit down in front of it and they'll watch it. If it's two other teams playing, you know, there might be a fascination. Oh, the Yankees are on. I want to see this Aaron Judge guy. But, dude, week well, in and week out, day you, in and day out, they have screwed this up enormously. Right, we need to shut the baseball conversation down. But I will say that you killed – you, you helped, if they'll listen to you, you made the best point. Why are you playing 2 p.m. games when you're trying to, to attract a younger crowd? They are in school on a Friday. And, the, cool and the folks that have money that can support you and come to games and do things like that, we're work, dog. Well, and we're work. <laughs> the coolest thing about it was on a cool October evening is my dad let me stay up and watch some playoff baseball. Mm-hmm. I didn't care who it was. If it was deep enough into October, just having that play in the background, just that whole vibe, and when it got serious, you sit down and watch it, staying up with the pops, that's what it was all about. That can't happen at 2 p.m. Well, like, B, the other thing is, too, is once you got to playoff baseball, it was playoff baseball. It was baseball that mattered between two very good teams. Now we have stretched this so that we have the division, we have the wild card, then we have the divisional round, then we have the league championship series. Dude, the A's are back in the playoffs again. The A's are 1 and 14 in their last 15 playoff games, but they keep making the playoffs because we've expanded the format. The Rockies get into the playoffs this year. They score two runs in the first inning of their series and score none the rest of the way. We have meaningless baseball going on right now. Meaningless, 100% meaningless baseball that we have attached the word playoffs to and you expect us to get excited about this garbage baseball. No thank you. Now, Major League Baseball lucked out and you have the Yankees and Red Sox, two teams that people halfway care about just because they are who they are in a division round series. Here's the problem, baseball. You're going to lose one of these two teams here in the next three days. Yeah. Then you're back to either Cleveland or Houston versus your premium team in the American League because you've stretched your stupid format. Cut it out. It's okay if only four teams make the postseason. That makes sitting through 162 games worthwhile. When half the teams are going to get in, we don't care anymore, dude. It's like the whole Yankees-Red Sox thing. What did it mean? If the Red Sox get knocked out in this division round series... What does it matter that they had one of the great regular seasons ever? To everybody else. They're not even going to get to the league championship series. It's it's pointless. It's There's only dumb. two groups that care about it. It's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Nobody else cares. Nobody cares. No. I think that's it in a capsule. Nobody cares. Now, hockey? Don't get me started. Dude. Just played like a year-long tournament. I don't know. 82 games of hockey to me is too long. The NBA, does, is there anybody that you know, anybody, even the biggest NBA fan, 
who during the college regular season is like, man, I'd rather watch some NBA than watch college regular season basketball. Do you know anybody that way? You're asking a question when we're in the heart of basketball land in the I country, mean, okay? I, I, we got Duke and Carolina 15 minutes away from each other. Yeah, here locally it's hard, but if you go into other markets, I can see it. Like, I mean, especially, you know, some people would complain that, you know, the players have too much too much control, that, you know, about where they're going to be and, you know, putting together these super teams. Mm-hmm. During the regular season, it's kind of dope. I mean, I, I kind of like it. I watch more NBA than I've – gosh, I, I watched more NBA the last three years than I watched, I don't know, almost combined in the last 15 years. It's just gotten kind of more interesting. I want to see the – I want to see um, Golden State lose. I want to see um, what LeBron does. I want to see what, you know, Houston ends up doing and stuff like that. So Speaking of Houston, man, we, we, we kind of jumped in on the Jimmy Butler thing last week and I asked Bricky if he thought Butler to Houston made them a a legitimate challenger to Golden State. He said he thinks they do. Or he, God, man, I'm making a mess of that. He said he thinks that Butler would actually elevate Houston to the point where they could push Golden State. Jimmy Butler, this is just the saga that's going to go on forever. Um, the the most likely suitor it appears at this point is Miami, which to me doesn't make any sense at all. Miami's kind of in cap hell. They really don't have what you would call a great young nucleus to add Butler to. So I'm not really sure, other than if they're trying to swap another big contract and unload Whiteside, why they're why they're so animated about making a move. Word is that the Rockets are still pushing and hoping that the that the Timberwolves' asking price comes back down to reality. But it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. I really, 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 for the sake of basketball, would like Jimmy Butler to wind up in Houston. I think it would be good to have a defensive stopper there. The other place, and I wish I, – me wishing for it to happen is not going to make any difference. I'd love to see that dude in New Orleans. If you put him and Drew Holiday in the same backcourt together – that's as good a defensive backcourt as we have ever seen. And with Anthony Davis in the middle to change everything, we might actually see a team that rode defense deep into the playoffs for the first time in what would be a while. You know, I'm not going to say forever because there's some teams that play some good D that, that get serious. But, man, you take that and the offensive firepower, New Orleans could be really interesting really fast. I don't know that they have enough value to try to make that move, and I don't. It, they haven't intimated that they're going to try. I have seen that at least three-quarters of the teams in the NBA have called and inquired about Jimmy Butler, but right now the T-Wolves look to be playing chicken with the rest of the league. And I think Tom Thibodeau still believes he can talk Jimmy Butler into coming back into camp if he doesn't get dealt. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, in you, this day and did, age with these multi, multi, multi-million dollar millionaire athletes, money doesn't move them. I'll say this. You posed that question, and then you had to leave last week. So you, like, dropped your mic. What On the other side, I want to hear our grade. It was just me and Bricky. We we answered those questions for you. All right, I'll let I you hear know. your letter grade. Peace. You listen, come, come on back for the second half. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins. We are hanging out flying solo. No Professor Trent, no Robert Bricky, and no, up to this point, Diamond Dave Kaplan. I think I'm digging it. How do you feel about that? I think I'm digging it. Reminds us of the old days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good old days. Um, not the good old days when we were drinking Four loco in here. Hmm. Or were those, were those good old days? I never drank one Four loco in here. Not one. You've never drank a Four loco in your whole life, have you? Uh, no, I have not. I think a little less of you now than I did before. No, I just know my limitations. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, when I can turn on the news and kids are like dying because of Four loco, <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. Speaking speaking of dying of of four loco something something happened this weekend that that brought me joy, um, and I'm not sure that I 100 understand what I was looking at, but have you seen? I, I'm just gonna play it for you. I, I can't even I can't even like um, I don't even I, I don't know man I don't even know what to make of it. While you're pulling that up, yeah, I'm for LIFO. That's why I don't drink four locos. <laughs> that should be their that, I'm pro life. That should be their um I don't know, their, what their, was their cool, motto. The coolest about that is I was gonna do a challenge in here and I would have, except that our man Bricky was like, Oh, my favorite is like blackberry cherry or something like there. Like I was like, Whoa, we're dealing with a pro- <laughs> professional and he, he, he went on to he, he expanded on that too because he was like, uh, yeah, um, you know, I've I was able to get the black cherry in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one time, but they don't sell it anywhere except in this particular sector east of the Mississippi. He like is educated when it comes to and then, four local. And then what I did, I complained to the manager. Same way I did to like, you know, organic milk that time. They didn't have it in the store. And like, then they all of a sudden had my black cherry in there and I was good with the Four loco. Dude, I. Do you not know who I am? I have my own Wikipedia page. Give me my Four loco and the flavor that I want it. <laughs> I'm trying to fill in while you're like, here we go. I'm big and awesome. 
but this guy is little. Can it really clean? Heck yeah, it can. It's concentrated detergent plus stain fighters plus odor fighters that fight for clean. Boom! Ugh. Even this entire bottle can't beat Tide Pods. And now a word from Future Grind. I really clean, thought it's got to be tied. At some point, I was going to get a public service announcement. I thought it was the inevitable thing where it was going to say, you know, hey, great for cleaning your clothes. And I know it's really pretty, but don't eat it. But given the whole Tide Pod eating thing, I thought for certain this is our opportunity to see a really cool, funny PSA and Tide let me down. Yeah, I think you were like asking for too much. That to me is like, oh, let's get a big, you know, one of the best players in the NFL like over the last 10 years. And let's try to like pump our product back up after we Who was sitting killing at home kids. and was like, "Oh, well, if Gronk uses it, I'm good." Nobody, not me. And and I do need to know this. Now, if Travis Kelsey was like selling me some top pods. <laughs> so, here first question, since since you she brought us there. Has Kelsey passed Gronk as the best tight end in football? Yes. Wow. All right, cool. He might be in a better system, but like Gronk's durability, dude. He was talking about retiring last year. You know, again, I you know, I was talking about the eye test. I mean, Gronk might be looking super awesome like on the field, but like everything that Kelsey does from like blocking to like you know, rubbing like picks with getting other people free and commanding so much defense. I mean, I just think you'll take Kelsey every day. Huh? I, you know, when when Gronk rolls out there, man, he looks like RoboCop. Yeah, he's got the armor. You know that that elbow brace dude is taking on a life of its own, man. Somebody should name that elbow brace because I think it could just line up and play tight end by itself. It's out of control the amount of stuff that he has to wear, and you see him, and he's one of those guys, man. Yeah, he's a big, tough guy, big, big swole, but he just looks like a guy who is your typical 1970s former NFL player that's going to walk with a limp in both legs, mm. you know, a little punch drunk, um, you know, talking about the glory days and just beat to death. I think he's pretty smart last year. Oh, he ain't no dummy. That's for sure. He was like ready to go. And trust me, right now, here at, I'm going to say this right here and now, if Brady had actually left New England, he would have bounced. He would have been like, no, nah, I'm good. I th- I'm, not I sure that, I'm not sure that he wouldn't have. And I'm not sure that this – it's almost like with Gronk, I think you're year to year. Every year might be his last year. Gronk has made a gazillion dollars. In terms of what his expectations could have possibly been coming out of college, as, an, as a pretty good tight end. This is not a guy who was sitting back theorizing about making $100 million in his career at any point in his life until he's in the NFL in a perfect situation, becomes a matchup nightmare, and rides Tom Brady's coattails to Tide Pod ads. This guy has outkicked life. And at this point, I'm sure there's part of him that's like, do I really want to tear my body up some more? You know, I'm good looking. I could slim down. Um, you know, I you know, you're healthier when you're slimmer. Like, so if you're not playing, you're not having to lift all those weights. I can look at Jeff Saturday, dude. I mean, dude, like look at Joe Thomas. 
my God, Joe Thomas looks like, you know, he played defensive back in the NFL. It's unbelievable that that guy was 300-plus pounds for all those years and within eight months of retirement is my size. Yeah. That's crazy. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to throw you a softball here. Sure. You ready to smack it out of the I park? I got you, bro. Let's talk some Cincinnati Bengals. What? <clears throat> I'm going to throw – I like Two talk. years. Those words have never come out of your mouth. I've talked baseball today, and then I'm going to intro some Cincinnati Bengals. Talk so I was to me, reading Gus. something on me. ESPN – Unless you want me to, I won't go through the top, you know, five of each. But they're like the biggest percentage swings of people, teams that were going to be in the playoffs versus out. All right. So the biggest jump in terms of percentage, the Bengals are number two behind. Let's see. I will scroll up there and check out number one. Um, Hold on, let me. Uh oh. One second. Hold on. The Bears had the biggest swing. The, okay? the Bears have the biggest shocked swing. me so far. Anyway, Cincinnati Bengals four and one preseason FPI playoff chances nineteen point seven percent. That probably mm. hurts your feelings right now, but that's okay. Let me let me hit you with the stats. Current FPI playoff chances seventy three point two percent. It's one of the biggest swings upward. The difference was 53.5%. What I want you to answer for me is they've not stayed healthy. So they're doing this with an offense that at times has lost Joe Mixon, yep. A.J. Green, yep. Billy Price for yep. stretches. That's, that's a huge injury. Huge. And then Tyler Eifert almost died. Yes. And how oh, You left out Gio Bernard, who didn't play this week. Well, Gio, it's almost normal. It's for a him given. Gio's going to miss a couple games, so, so he's just getting them out of the way early. How are they doing? How are they at four and one and like on their way to the playoffs? The Ravens just got beat. I'm going to tell Steve. you why. I'm going to tell you why the Bengals have made the leap that nobody expected them to make through the first five weeks of the season. The NFL is calling somewhere along the lines of twice as many defensive holding illegal contact penalties as they have in the past. Andy Dalton does not have a gigantic arm, so he can't fit the ball into tight spaces at the level a guy like Aaron Rodgers can. Pat Mahomes, that type arm. He just doesn't have it. I honestly believe that Dalton, who's playing at a pretty high level right now, has been helped as much as anybody by the rule changes because – no contact downfield means that you have a higher likelihood of having your receivers run free and run into space. That's what I think the biggest difference is with Cincinnati. The second thing, though, unless you follow teams very closely, you often don't know what's going on underneath with the coaching staff. Frank Pollock was the architect of that Dallas Cowboys line that a few years ago was opening holes that were 30 feet wide for Zeke Elliott to run through. Frank Pollock was let go at the end of last season by Dallas. Paul Alexander is the only coach associated with the Cincinnati Bengals that's been there longer than Marvin Lewis had. He has underachieved his entire career as an offensive line coach. I can't tell you how many 
number one talents were cycled through there. And with the exception of Willie Anderson and Andrew Whitworth, they consistently underachieved. They had some okay units, but on an individual basis, he just didn't develop linemen. He was still trying to run a zone blocking scheme, but running it with these big oversized guys who were not nimble enough to do it. Dallas and Cincinnati, for all intents and purposes, traded offensive line coaches this year. That offensive line play from Cincinnati this year versus the last two seasons is a different world. Now, Billy Price, the rookie center out of Ohio State that they took in the first round, was a, a gem. And for the first couple weeks of the season, the running game was propelled by that. After two weeks, Joe Mixon was the leading rusher in, in football. Price went down, but they've been able to plug spare parts into that line. The line's still performing. Joe Mixon had a nice week this week. Gio Bernard had a nice week in his absence. You take the weapons they've got on offense with A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. Eifert's gone now, but C.J. Uzama has stepped in. They've got nice pieces on offense, but they're able to keep Andy Dalton upright, and they finally, once again, have the ability to run the ball a little bit. That offense is nice. And Cincinnati, people sleep on that defense. And we get to see guys week in and week out, and we and we know their names. Khalil Mack is, is somebody that, that, that America's fallen in love with. Aaron Donald now is recognized as the best interior defensive lineman in football. There's a couple other defensive players. But if you're not J.J. Watt, you don't get any run as a front seven player in the NFL anymore. It just doesn't happen. It's all about who's throwing the ball and who they're throwing it to. And then, oh yeah, every once in a while, we'll fall in love with a cover corner. Cincinnati has had three or four really, really good players in that front seven for a long time that just don't get any recognition. Okay, I want to ask you a question. Sure. In your opinion, which yes. I, I like trust your bingle opinion more than anyone else's. Yes. Vontez perfect. Well, Okay, he's still not back, right? He is. He played this weekend. He played this weekend. And the okay. defense played a completely different level of football. Than and they, they had. had huge – they continued to make big plays in the fourth quarter to oh, God, turn yeah. the game. So, Catherine Terrell, do you know that? Spingles writer? Yes. Um, she suggested that everyone from the national media yes. is not going to take the Bengals seriously no. until they beat the Pittsburgh. Steelers. Got to. So – the record is like, and I'm gonna mess up this name. Is six, six versus twenty against the Steelers since the infamous playoff loss, which Kimo Von Kimo Von Olhoffen. I was at that game. Tore Carson Palmer's yes. ACL. So how big on the other side? You got to tell me how big. This upcoming game with the Steelers. I will save it to the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina. We love you guys. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice! 
Please, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. I have been given license to talk about the Bengals for a little bit, and I swear I'll wrap this up in just a couple minutes. Here's looking at the schedule coming into this season. The Bengals started out with a road-heavy record, and then they move into this next couple of games. Right now they sit at 4-1 alone atop the AFC North. This early in the season, nobody's standing or position really matters unless you've gotten yourself so far behind and you've got teams to climb over. And we'll talk about one of those here in just a second. But the Bengals at 4-1 aren't safe. They're only a game up on Baltimore, even though they do have a game in hand against them. And what are they, a game and a half up on Pittsburgh now, who's at 2-2-1. Cincinnati this weekend gets Pittsburgh, then they follow that up with Kansas City. A win against Pittsburgh validates them nationally, period. They will get run. They will be in the top three or four or five on all of your power rankings and things of that nature. From a bigger standpoint, I think what is more important is that they get a win out of these two games. If they drop the game to Pittsburgh and turn around and beat Kansas City, they'll be in great shape. Perfect scenario, if they're only going to get one win, is to beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh... I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and and only fans that are deeply engaged with their teams know this. And you can do the same thing because you have before with regard to Carolina and the dynamics of the NFC South. But the AFC North is simple. And understand that, yes, you're going to give somebody out there is going to be like, well, the statistics don't bear this out. But by and large, here's how it works the Steelers own the Bengals. You said they're 20 and 6 since Chemo. Blew up on a six-game losing streak, I guess. Yeah, the the Steelers own Cincinnati, and if you go to Cincinnati for Steeler Week, half the crowd is from Pittsburgh. Even that seventeen when y'all had a seventeen-point lead against Pittsburgh. All right, we that's enough. Okay. Now the second part of this equation is that the Ravens give the Steelers fits every year. We see it. The Ravens are going to find out to find a way to win games, even in years when they're not supposed to, against Pittsburgh. This these rivalries are what these rivalries are. And just to make it more complicated, the Bengals own the Ravens. In years where the Bengals are good, they beat the Ravens, period. So you have these three teams that are just going to beat up each other. And then Cleveland, and I'm not trying to rub salt in it, Cleveland fans, I promise. Cleveland just can't beat anybody in the division. So it generally, for the last 15 years, has come down. It's a three-team race. Pittsburgh has come out on top more often than not, but people forget the Ravens have won a couple world championships too. The Bengals have won their fair share of, of titles and gone to the playoffs out of that division. The difference is is the Bengals haven't been able to do anything in the postseason. The Super Bowl. People look at Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis has been there 14 years. The Bengals, in from a bigger standpoint, this has been the days of milk and honey for the Bengals. They've been to the playoffs half of those years. Marvin Lewis's record, though, 0-7 in the playoffs. So from a regular season standpoint, if the Bengals want to make some noise, they beat Pittsburgh this week. You're catching them. I'm going to tell you right now, Cincinnati fans are looking at him like, Lev Bell, please don't come back. Please don't come back this week. 
If you come back, he's saying he's coming back week seven. Cool. Wait till after we get done here. Because yep. they, if they're going to play, if they're going to play Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's going to be one dimensional, that front seven I was starting to talk about will feast. They will put Ben on his back repeatedly. Geno Atkins gets national run. He is in that conversation of the top five, six best interior linemen in football. Really, to me, he's the second best defensive tackle in football. I, I believe that he's second behind Donald. I, that's just what I believe, and I watch a lot of football. The guy that nobody nationally knows about is Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap, he's been a monster for years and just signed another big, fat extension. People in Cincinnati know how valuable he is. The plays this weekend, you were talking about big plays in the fourth quarter. Cincinnati in the second half against Miami, it was the defensive line that won that ballgame. Two interceptions returned for touchdowns, for touchdowns by yep. defensive linemen. Dunlap had a hand in both of those. That guy is unstoppable, but he also doesn't get any respect and has more roughing the passer calls than just about anybody in football. But if you want to see a premium matchup, that Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game coming up should be heavy on offense. I think Cincinnati is the one of these teams that's going to play defense. But saying that, that takes us right into the Atlanta-Pittsburgh game this weekend. And I actually tweeted the over-under on this game ought to be 200 and a half points. I want to set you up on that real quick. All but right, before we leave um, the AFC North, Cleveland has done you some favors this year. Yes. Like, so before we go to the uh, NFC South, always there's always a whipping boy in the South, and there's always a team that emerges from the, the NFC The difference South. is you don't know who it's going to be You in don't the know South. who it's going to be. It's always Cleveland in the North yes. uh, for the AFC. But there's always a whipping boy. And so – in, in years past, you know, I guess this year it was might be Tampa Bay. Who knows? They might turn around and win the entire division. And I'm going to transition to a comment that you made. But Cleveland, like, beat Ravens in overtime. They tied Pittsburgh, should have beat them. As long as you handle Cleveland. That's the thing. As long as you handle it. Cleveland they're doing has you done some us, favors, yeah, done the, which done you've never had. Like Cleveland's never done no, that. Oh God, for you. no, 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 no. This was what, what, this was the third time in twenty-one matchups that they had beaten the Ravens. I think they wow. came in two and eighteen in their last twenty against the Ravens, and it was even worse against the Steelers. I mean, Cleveland has been the drag of that division for a very, very, very long time. There is part of me from a true football fan standpoint who's like. Welcome back, Cleveland. Now it's a legit division again. And, you know, it's real rivalries instead of go ahead and programming that W unless something crazy happens and you guys get a win somewhere. Um, Now, in this year, I'd just assume they hand us two Ws and Cincinnati gets through there. They're doing some things. Baker Mayfield, I'm not going to say yet that I was wrong because I told you Baker Mayfield not going to be a star in the NFL. I'm not sold that he's going to be, but I can tell you that the team around him is playing with confidence unlike I've I've seen from the Browns in forever. If you had only And they got weapons. If you'd only taken Chubb instead of Baker this year Dude. or taken Chubb with what the fourth pick, you'd be nasty on defense. But let's transition, okay? Yeah. I've already said that. I need to get that out of my system. Chubb, that whole team, that defense would be nastier than it already is. You made an interesting comment about the Atlanta Falcons. They're one and four. Let me. So, and they're done. 
So you said that they were done, but let me tell you on you know how Cincinnati didn't have the highest percentage to make the playoffs, and they've sprung up to yes. being the second overall team with the you know the biggest percentage change. In the going the other direction, Atlanta, their FPI playoff chances preseason was fifty eight point four percent. Their current one is fifteen point eight with a difference of 42.6% chance of making the playoffs. You said their season is done. They're 1-4. Here's here's my rationale. It's one thing to go 1-4. And, and let's, let's look at the Cowboys. Cowboys are 2-3 right now. Is that correct? I believe so. I'll yeah, check okay, the Cowboys are 2-3. and three. The problem is Philadelphia is 2-3 as well. Washington right now I think is a half game up in that division. Everybody else around – and the and – the, Giants are one and four. So everybody's started slow. So you can, you, you know, you're just keeping pace. The problem that the the Falcons have, they're in last place. And it's not just last place where it's, oh, whatever. You might look and say, well, Tampa's the worst team in that division. Well, here's the problem. New Orleans and Carolina are among the best teams in the NFC. So if you ha- you you can catch one, you know if they get hot or, or they get cold and you get hot, you can walk a team down. To walk two very very good teams down and pass them before the end of the season, that's going to be rough. Well, to your point, Tampa Bay should have beaten Carolina twice last year, yeah. And Carolina had eleven wins. So anyway, it's just get- and and the Falcons conceivably could go on a run, but when you've already given up four losses, if they win out, they're 12-4. and four. They're not going to win out. They're not that kind of team. So at this point, your margin for error to get a wild card is very, very, very slim. I mean, you've already started with four losses and you're playing from behind. So the chances of making a wild card, making a wild card run are pretty remote. But the prospects of catching and passing two very good teams that you spotted a lead like this to, it's going to be tough sailing. And Atlanta's going to play it out. Atlanta has weapons. That offense is great. Even though they they hit a blip this weekend and Pittsburgh shut them down, they'll get back to the confines of that doggone dome and they'll be okay. But, man, they've got to do something special to get to the postseason this year. And I just don't see it because they can't stop anybody. Well, they don't know what they're doing at running back. I mean, well, they, that's, Freeman just came that's back. True. You know, yesterday. I mean, you know, not to bring fantasy in this, <laughs> but Smith, their third round, their third back comes in and runs a, a you know a touchdown in. Freeman's on the bench. Coleman's on the bench. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, and you got Julio Jones, dude. What? How it, many games has he been without a touchdown now? I mean, we're working on almost two years without a touchdown. How can you not? And that with that physique, I, he was I, he was nobody a, uh, has those answers. I've, he heard, a, I've heard people try to analyze that. There just aren't any good answers. He's an Alabama guy, right? I yeah. blame Nick Saban because he's <laughs> never had Saban. a quarterback. They never I, really I had a quarterback. What, if he was down year. there at Alabama with Tua, Tua would be finding ways to throw him touchdown passes. It's the the thing with the Julio Jones. It's a it's a combination of scheme. Um, it's a combination of the coverages they face because he's getting doubled down there all the time. And that's just not the strength of his game. You know, Julio Jones, when he's at the top of his game, is getting in these physical, getting down the field on guys. 
And when you get back to when you get down to the red zone, it's just that more difficult to do. All right, we got half an hour to go. We will finish up. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, coming around the final poll into the home stretch, Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, talking some NFL. Before we finish that up, I want to talk about some trivia. Trivia at Libations. I host every Thursday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Libations on Chatham in downtown Sanford. Would love to have you out. Cool prizes, cool fellowship, cool adult beverages. It's a pretty good time. Come on out and check it out. As, as, as always, I tease a category. Um, in honor of Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Uh, we'll Shut do, your mouth. We'll do famous Butt whoopings. What do you think about that? Mm. Famous beatdowns. That'll be the. That'll be the. That that's your category for this week. Famous beatdowns. Poor Robin Ventura, dude. You know Robin Ventura is going to be in the mix. Um, did you watch fight? No, I did not. I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. I knew. McGregor, have you seen Khabib? Have you seen him like vault over the fence into the? Crowd? I've seen all the footage and stuff. Yeah. How? Somebody give that dude another steroid. I think John Jones and him have the same supplier. <laughs> it's not going to be too. When you're when you're that angry after you fought a four round UFC fight, if you got that much energy, that means you were allegedly juiced up, son. Yeah, McGregor. What's next for him? I heard I heard speculation that McGregor might fight George St. Pierre next, and I was like. Cool. That'll be the best fight of 2009. What are we talking? Well, see, I heard, Pierre. Come on, dude. I heard it was Anderson Silva, maybe. Oh. The spider. <laughs> Is there a seniors tour in the UFC now? Is that what's going on, man? Dude. I think he should. Uh, I don't know. How much money do you need? That oh was the God, highest rated. UFC event maybe of all time. Which one? This this, this, this one. Khabib McGregor was it really? I think it was the highest rated UFC. Take Jeez. boxing out of it. I think that's one of the highest rating. Wow. When is when are people? When is there going to be a backlash? When are we going to stop paying for this nonsense? 
I don't know, man. That's a blood sport. What? I mean, I'm stealing this. I'm stealing this. I get to go ahead and tell you I'm stealing it. What cracks me up, I'll, t- I'll tell you who I stole it from. I was on the way in here, and I was listening to Joe Ovius, who, oh, Jesus who, who just annoys me to, uh, at, so much. But I'll leave it at there. He's good at sometimes, not that great. Here, local Raleigh um, sports guy. He did make a good point, though. He's like, this is a blood sport with the blood spattering all over, you know, in the cameras and stuff like that, and they're videoing it. And Dana was like, Dana White's like, oh, let's not show the after fight. Let's just take this off. Nobody needs to see that. Nobody needs to see this. Talking about talking through the two sides of your face. Jesus. So that's a good point. At least Joe had a good point on that one because he was like, oh, I just can't. He can he can watch Colin McGregor try to kick a guy at the press conference in the face. He can watch he him throw a chair through a bus window. But, but they're no. already talking about a rematch. Have you ever they, been to a UFC fight live and in person? I have not been there. I've been in I've been in um uh, the Luxor, or what? Oh, you were at the casino when there was a fight going on. When you you could see the entourages and stuff, yeah. and you could see the electricity, but I've never actually been to one. So back in my in a former life, I used to work. When well, I'll, I'll just tell you what was going on when I was in army recruiting. I worked in several different capacities, but at a couple of those stops, we were very tightly entwined with mixed martial arts. Same demographic, young, aggressive men. They make good soldiers. So we used to do a lot. We used to tie in and do a lot of sponsorship. And we would come out and have exhibits tied in. Um, I don't know if you realize, but the Gracies, when they sort of introduced Brazilian jiu-jitsu to America, the United States Army adopted Brazilian jiu-jitsu as their hand-to-hand combat. Prior to that, it had sort of been Taekwondo, which was big strikes. It's hard to practice that without hurting one another. So Brazilian jiu-jitsu was a lot more effective because they could train it more realistically. Plus you're wearing clothes. Yeah. So using leverage and the rest of that stuff became the thing. So we would bring out, you know, the Army hand-to-hand teams and stuff like that, and they'd do exhibits, and they were big recruiting drives, and we'd collect information, give us a chance to talk to those kids, whatever. So bottom line is I used to be at a lot of these things, and you know how I do. So if we're going to be a part of the sponsorship, you know I'm trying to figure out how I can get VIP. Okay. So plenty of times I was on the floor at one of the tables right next to these cages. And I'm going to tell you something. The entourages fighting at MMC events, pretty much par for the course when you get away from UFC. I mean, we go down into these second and third division type things. Dude, people are just going to scrap. And blood everywhere and the rest of that stuff. And that's what we were there for. Dana White knows what the score is. Dana White's getting more run out of this fight because of the post-fight shenanigans than he ever would have had McGregor just got tapped out and that had been the end of it. And Dana White ain't nobody's dummy. And McGregor has already said, Dude. oh, I'm not going to press charges. <sighs> If you get me a rematch this with that guy, cat. I didn't prepare at all for this fight. <laughs> if you get me a rematch with this guy, I won't, pre- you know, I'll like prepare next time, but I won't press charges. Doesn't this feel like the Rocky Clubber Lang fight 
Yeah. Where Rocky's, you know, in the golden shorts and, you know, priming for the cameras and the rest of that stuff. Hey, and and Khabib is Clubber Lang, who's like, you know, lifting the back end of, of cars and and shooting up every steroid he can get his hands on. It's exactly like this. <laughs> and you got a dude that has made a gazillion dollars against a dude that's like, I want that. This was the most foreseeable beatdown in quite some time. This was yeah. more predictable than May than Mayweather beating McGregor. Well, in I was fight. at my brother's house. We uh, He lives in Winston-Salem, and I traveled there. I didn't even w- bring up the fight because he's just not into it. And I'm like, McGregor's going to get beat up. This dude's, what, 27 and 0? Yeah. This loss has him, McGregor at his fourth loss. I just feel like it seems a little scripted. To me now, McGregor, I feel like would probably take the win if he could, but if you don't prep, he looked light. He did look light, and Khabib. We can say what we want to. We can joke halfway about steroids. Khabib looked amazing. Here's my thing: if I'm Dana White, if I'm trying to create the next big thing, because McGregor at one point was the one guy everybody in the world, even if you weren't an MMA fan, that would recognize Conor McGregor's a bad dude. McGregor ain't a bad dude anymore. The well, fight with Mayweather took care of that. But if I'm trying to propel somebody into superstardom that transcends the sport, a la Ronda Rousey, because she was the biggest star UFC's ever had. I don't care what anybody says. She was a household name. If you're trying to create a household name, give him a recognizable legend who doesn't care anymore that's there to cash a check let him beat that guy now the next time Khabib fights he is the ticket by himself maybe and if he can do craziness and jump out of the ring and his entourage wants to fight and people are tuning in wondering what kind of craziness might come off after this fight maybe you've got your next superstar for UFC I don't know, but I think that's what Dana White is banking on. Well, can I just say one thing in defense of McGregor? Sure. Even when he fought Mayweather, Mayweather specifically told him what kind of gloves to wear. And I don't care. You know, everybody's going to look at me like I'm like, I don't. oh, you just don't know. You don't, you don't know. People who don't know are telling me that I don't know. There was a couple of times in that fight that Mayweather was like, mm. He just got me with a yeah, couple of these punches. Okay? That's true. My eyeballs do not lie. And even in a sport, he's never tra- – he trained for for, what, eight months? He goes in there. They had him change his gloves out. McGregor's always making weight concessions. He has never, as far as I know, may, maybe earlier in his career, since he's become a star, he's never said, well, you got to come to me and wait. I'm not taking that fight. He's taking on – all opposition, but but that and was. He, uh, go it, ahead. I think he get, he just deserves a little more credit. Now I know oh, he's a jerk. No, no, no. I, I I agree with you 100. I mean, this is a guy that transcended the sport. I still think he's a bad man. Like that's all. He's I'm a bad say. human being, but he's also a bad man. If no, it goes down, man. I want him. I want him on my side for sure. The thing with it is, is Conor McGregor doesn't get enough credit. Conor McGregor. Yes, he is a bad dude, and he took all the all comers. But it was driven by a couple of things. He's he's quick to talk about how poor he was. That dude wanted to get to the top of the mountain. I don't care who you are. Tom Brady is the only guy I can think of in my lifetime who really came 
from the bottom athletically yeah. got to the top and was able to will himself to stay there. There are plenty of folks that have had a flash in the pan and been great for a minute, but to come with as limited talent as Brady had to get to where he was to sustain it is even much more more impressive. That dude's got a bazillion dollars, Giselle at the house. Remember Conor how McGregor Doug- to sustain the kind of energy level and investment that he made when he was that hungry to do it as a ridiculously wealthy man like that, very unlikely. Bro, and remember Uriah Faber? Like how he was like the face of the sport. McGregor ended his career, basically shooed him out of that sport, even on challenging, you know, these TV shows, these reality shows. He even got rid of him and out of that. Like, <laughs> let's not forget how bad this dude is. He's going to win another fight in the, in the Octagon. I would assume that, you know, he's lost a couple of these and come back and won the challenge match. And maybe this is what makes him hungry again. I don't know. I tend to think that with the type of beating they take and the limited, relatively speaking, amount of money that's available to him from a UFC fight, I, I'm, I'm just not going to be surprised if he punches out and and rolls out. Now, but we in said the aftermath that, of this, he we says... We said that right after the Mayweather yeah, fight. Why would you ever fight again? Well, that's true. That's true. And, you know... I mean, it's what he knows, and it's what he does. But I don't want to take anything away from McGregor and jump on well Mayweather beat him up. Dude, Conor McGregor's a bad dude. He ran out of gas. Yeah, he's a it bad was, it dude. It wasn't because he got beat up, dude. Not a guy to be trifled with, and he should be. But the problem is, and, and it's not a problem, but when you look at Conor McGregor in the context of the UFC, he's a little bit too identifiable for his accomplishments there. And I'll expand on that in the last segment. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the final segment. And while we're doing this, breaking news out of Philadelphia, Jay Ajayi may have a torn ACL. That only does more to fuel the flames how interested and how aggressive will Philly be in pursuing Le'Veon Bell I have a feeling that the ownership for the Philadelphia for for the Eagles took him out back and tore his ACL so they could get Le'Veon <laughs> because you know this is right on the heels I'm joking but this is right on the heels or, you know, the ACLs, of him saying that they didn't run the ball enough. Okay? He was complaining, and now this comes out, which is extremely interesting. Now, Philly, so while you're So while you're talking, I'm going to see if his backup is available. Philly, for yeah, right. Fantasy. Well, uh, no, because it's, it's Smallwood, Smallwood, and Smallwood's already out there. Gotcha. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, during their Super Bowl run last year, Traded for Jay Ajayi from the from the Dolphins, 
The Dolphins gifted him to him for next to nothing. Pittsburgh's not going to give away Lev Bell. I don't understand, and maybe there is a league rule that I need to research a little bit better. I don't understand why a conditional trade can't be done here. People keep saying, well, you know, he's probably, you know, a second or a third because he's a rental. Why would this not be a situation where it was conditional? And the Eagles said, look, we'll give you a second for this year for him, and we'll also give you a number one the following year if he starts four games for us the following year, which would mean that Philly was able to get him to sign a long-term deal because that's the problem. That's got to be the hesitancy with these teams. I think it makes perfect sense for a couple of different teams. I actually heard Will Kane, who is one of the better talking heads out there. Trent's got a, a man crush on him. Will Kane actually He's proposed. got good hair. He's got he really does, good does hair. He has great hair. Great hair. Probably the greatest, probably the best hair on radio right now. But he proposed a couple weeks ago that Dallas should make a run at Lev Bell, which is just trying to be too smart. So Will Kane, shut up. That was a dumb idea. But when you look at a team, the, te- the the landing spot that I thought was a good idea and probably is too far gone at this point, I thought Seattle made perfect sense. You had Earl Thomas out there who wanted out of Seattle, Lev Bell who wanted out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't play any pass defense, but then Earl Thomas goes, tears his knee up, flips the crowd off, or the team off, and that's out the window. But Philly, we've talked at length about how Philly is in a great position because Wentz is not making that big cheddar yet. They've got a couple years where they could go and throw money at the running running back position and be harmed less than most teams in the league. Makes a lot of sense, and Philly at 2-3 and has got to be getting antsy because that window of, of opportunity where Wentz is really, really cheap and they can spend all this money on other positions, mm-hmm. it's limited. They and the Rams are right smack in the middle of it. Looks like Kansas City has fallen into it. Now, Kansas City, I want to say something really quickly because I keep hearing all of these comparisons with regard to Pat Mahomes. And it's interesting to me that in 2018, we haven't moved into a post-racist society yet where we compare black quarterbacks to white quarterbacks from generation to generation. Because every time I hear a compare, the well, like Randall Cunningham. No, his game's nothing like Randall Cunningham's game. The guy's game, I am convinced, is just like is John Elway. And a lot of listeners out there remember John Elway during his Super Bowl run where he, you know, rolled out of the pocket and got helicoptered into the end zone. He was the old guy with the oversized knee braces. They don't remember the John Elway when he came out of Stanford that was a legitimately mobile quarterback and had, Brandon, a gun of an arm. One of the strongest arms in in history. John Elway is the comparison I want to make with Pat Mahomes. Mahomes, I'm sold on him probably. I need to see him once the league gets a chance to adjust to him. But when you look at this guy, we keep talking about the weapons around him. Well, he's got Kelsey. He's got Kareem Hunt. He's got Tyreek Hill. Got it. I mean, it's not his fault that he has these weapons. But you look at that offense now versus where Alex Smith had that same offense with those same weapons a year ago, it's night and day. Mahomes is that doggone good. And when we look at all the young quarterbacks around the NFL, we're looking at Darnold. We're looking at Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, um, even Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. How many of those guys are you looking at 
that are the first name that come into your head when you talk about that team. Okay. Can I say one real quick thing? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. You always keep the facts. And last week, last week, me and Bricky were like, this player can go here and none of the money would work. But that's what we do when you're gone. Cool. You know the money. Got it. What about him going to Cincinnati Bengals? I know you got Joe Mixon. This dude wanted to go to Ohio State. You t- we're talking about Lev Bell Lev here? Lev Bell. Uh, Lev Bell. And I don't think the money works at this point because of the bonus, uh, because of the extensions they signed Atkins and Dunlop to Dunlap at the end of camp. I doubt that there's enough space to do a one year deal for the tag. I'd have to take a look, but I probably not. Be interesting. He ended up going to Michigan State instead. Right? He has he has also so accused a- Joe Mixon of copying him. Not only in his running style, but when during as his, as a rookie last year, Mixon had a couple times where he came out with the same sleeve on and the rest of that. And Lev Bell called him out on social media. You know, not too not good enough that you run like me. Now you got to dress like me too. So what about Detroit? Detroit would be a nice fit. He went he went to college. He seems like. The more I've read about him, he likes to kind of stay where he either grew up or he's, that's why he wanted to Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? He's spending a lot of time in South Beach right now, though. And Miami, you know, they got Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore. That's There's nobody down there that's a world beater. What about Tampa, though? You know, whether or not Jameis Winston is that guy. They've got Mike Evans down there. They've got O.J. Howard down there. They've got Deshaun Jackson down there. They've got a pretty nice defense. Plug him in in Tampa Bay, that might be something cool. Yeah, but, I mean, South Beach, I know you know this, so I'm not trying to condescend. Tampa is so oh, no, no, no. I, vastly different oh, I, than I South Beach. I got you. I got you, but it's still Florida. If you're a young man, if you're, he's what, 26? Uh, that sounds right, 26, 27. If he's a young man and that's what he's into, Tampa Bay, you got a bunch of Scientologists on the roofs with like, well, like yeah, machine you know, guns and Orlando stuff. Orlando like is it, Disney and, and you know all the tourists and all the rest of that stuff, and it's flat as a board and all the rest. I, I get that. I just, with Miami, I don't know, man. Drake... I, I, look, Lev Bell, I have respect. Lev Bell's going to make it better wherever he goes. There's not there's not a situation short of probably the Giants with Saquon Barkley, who looks like the real deal, uh, Dallas with Zeke, maybe Arizona with David Johnson. Um, who am I leaving out? Because that's really kind of it when you're talking about the creme de la creme yeah. for running backs. Anywhere else that he goes, it would be out of control. The Jets make perfect sense. You know, they're getting it done with smoke and mirrors and Bilal Powell or Crowell will have a little bit of a day. But if you plug that kid in there so that Darnold's got that safety blanket and we can't uh, we can't overstate how important Le'Veon Bell is in the passing game. That dude is money. If I'm the Jets, I'm mortgaging the future. Bring him on out here. We're going to bring you into the biggest market in the world. The, the endorsement dollars are absolutely unlimited. We'll open up the coffers and we'll pay you whatever you ask. Dude, if he goes to KC like you were ta- talking oh. about a little bit, I'm just going to quit watching. I'm like, tell me when KC wins the Super Bowl. If, if he were to go to Kansas City, that would be it. That, well, well let's, 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 let's ask it because I asked where could he go that he wouldn't be the guy. The Rams, obviously. KC, can you imagine with Hunt and Bell – you take that offense that they have now and take off whoever the weakest link is at any given time and plug Lev Bell into that spot, 
dude. Oh, God. It's now, like, my question for you, though, yeah. is what's the distance? I don't think there's anybody in America right now that can argue that L.A. and Kansas City are not the two best teams in football. And I think the consensus is L.A. is number one, Kansas City's number two. How big is the gap between those two teams? God, man, that's such a hard team. I mean, is it tight? Hard call. It's a hard call because I think the big thing is the defense creates the gap. So I think I'm with you. I think the defense creates the gap, and defense wins in the NFL. And I know that's so cliche. Lord have mercy. Well, you know, here's here's the other question that I have to go along with that in the last couple minutes. Every year this happens. We have a team that gets out to a hot start, and we annoy them, and they're good to go. But these, first of all, these are legit. I mean, these two teams are loaded. They're packed for bear. Kansas City could fall off because that defense does not have the kind of depth that L.A. does. L.A.'s had some injuries, though. My question is, are we only playing out the regular season with these two teams to see if one of them suffers a couple catastrophic injuries? Maybe. Or are these guys locked in to go to the Super Bowl? Are we discounting... New England and everybody else who might be a, a bump in the road or these guys on a collision course for the Super Bowl last, after week five of the regular season. Last week, I would have answered that. The Rams are – there's no 1A, uh, 1A, 1B. The Rams are A, KC's B. But then KC went and handled Jacksonville's defense. So now, Jacksonville has got one of the best defenses in the league. Have for like, you know, have had last the Last couple of years, Jacksonville, I mean – that's the that's the defense that everybody else is measured against. So it's kind of hard to tell right now is the answer wow. to your question. Like it's clearly Rams. I'd like to see them play now. That would be awesome. Well, I was see. I was thinking that what would the NFL give to just have the Rams and Chiefs play each other every week for the rest of the season? Probably nothing because <laughs> to your point earlier about the Yankees and the Red Sox, they're already playing now. At, when that is decided, right? They want to keep them as far away from each other as they can. I think until the very end, they want to keep that scorpion and that tarantula who nobody knows who's <laughs> going to win on Facebook. They want to keep them separate until like, the big game. I hear you, man. I, I think uh, it's always too early to get too excited about a particular team. Um, and then you've always got a team. I mean, think back to the to the uh, New England team that went eighteen and zero and then lost to the Giants. That's what makes football great. Is on any given Sunday, you know, anybody can lose in the playoffs. There's no bad teams making the playoffs in the NFL. Anything can happen, and you're always one injury away. I mean, Gurley, and I'm not. I'm gonna touch wood because I'm not trying to put anything on him. Gurley has been hurt before. If Gurley goes down, that team. I mean, it's a whole different look. What he does, what he means in the running game to them is absolutely irreplaceable. That's why I might give the nod to Kansas City because outside of the quarterback position, I don't think there's another player on that offense for Kansas City that's indispensable. If there is one, it's probably Kelsey. But his importance to Kansas City is nothing like what Gurley means to L.A., which makes them vulnerable. Because if he misses any time, now the the playing field is kind of kind of tipped. The thing with the Rams that we haven't seen in a while, they've got four legit receivers that they can push down the field. We don't see cores of receivers like that anymore. 
You know, anymore it's, you know, a playmaker or two and the other guys that are around them. But when you look at the talent that LA trots out there at wide receiver, it's tough. But I still say you pull Gurley out of that out of that mix with an injury, they're human again. Well, I don't have to say this, but New England, look at Sony Michelle, what he did. Dude. After Edelman gets back, now they got Josh Gordon, they got Gronk. I mean And we had written them off three or four weeks ago. And I I've I did. I've said this before. I'm not betting against New England until somebody shows me they're not New England anymore. If you know the movie Zombieland, where he hit one of his rules is to shoot the zombie twice, it's called the double tap. Yeah. You got to double tap the Patriots oh, before you walk away. Absolutely. If you just shoot them once, then. Uh, and if you, you just said your- a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, oh my God, Brady doesn't have any weapons anymore. It's just him and Gronk. Oh my God. Edelman's back. Josh Gordon's starting to contribute. Sony Michelle. At least for now, show what he might be. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.